0: the opinions of fred fower and aj hoffman don't reflect the views of gal media parental discretion is advised kfnc Mont Bellevue, houston a gal media station
1: sports 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 so they just
2: sit there and talk about sports yeah and sports is back we got even a golf update but the astros return and i've got a baseball genius here with me let's do it it's a friday friday on the blitz diabolical
0: it's time. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And The
2: Blitz is on for a Friday, Friday. Welcome to the greatest show in the history of the known universe with me, Fred Fowler. The Falcon. No A.J. today. Patrick Creighton in the house. The King of Late Hits. Aaron Rabel, the Voldemort, is also here. If you want to get in, you know the number, 713-780-ESPN, 713 780 You can also get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz, click like, send a message. Aaron will read it, and it makes him feel better as a human being. There's Twitter, at Fred Fowler, F-A-O-U-R, at uh, P. Creighton1, is that correct? That is Did correct. Yeah. At uh, Aaron is Blitz, at Degenerates975, at ESPN975 can text the show, you know the number for that, and uh, you can watch us on Twitch. We're back in studio, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. You get to see the handsome faces of Aaron Raybould, Patrick Creighton, and then the cretin that is me. So uh, feel free to tune in and uh, weigh in there, and we'll have some fun today. What is going on, Mr. Creighton? Thank you for filling in today, sir.
1: Did appreciate you having me. Baseball's back today. Life is good. Baseball's going to be back for the Astros. Baseball's going to be back for the Yankees, whether they like it or not. We're going to play some ball.
2: Yeah, uh, nice little COVID problem for your Yankees.
1: You know, this is your
2: beloved Yankees. Yeah, my beloved (laughs) Yankees. If you don't know, Patrick's kind of a Mets fan, so
1: (laughs) Patrick would like to watch the Yankees burn. But uh, you know, if if this is one of these things with athletes that I just don't understand, if you know, hey, I could get the COVID vaccine and make sure that I am available for my teammates, make sure that I don't miss games, make sure that my team knows they can count on me, or I can say, eh, screw that. Eh, if I miss games, I miss games. So what? You know, what's the worst that happens? Team loses a few games. Nobody cares. It's amazing to me that how many athletes choose the latter. Although what we're hearing from Brian Cashman is that of the six, six Yankees, who have now tested positive for COVID uh, that at least a majority of them had gotten at least one vaccine shot uh, that a lot of them are asymptomatic, but right. they're positive. So what we're learning is uh, the Delta variant apparently is more contagious than the previous, but not necessarily uh, more severe.
2: Yeah, I was, I,
1: I, I I
2: kind of feel like I'm done with all this, but whenever it comes up with a sports team, now I have to deal with it again. Cause so I was doing some reading on that today. And it's, it's basically, yeah, if you've had both shots, then if you, even if you get it, it's, it's nothing. And it's like less than 5% of the people are actually getting it that have had both shots. But if you've only had one, apparently it's a pretty high rate that that people are getting it at again, not getting real sick. If I'm an athlete, you know, and maybe I had the first shot and the first shot made me sick. And I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know if I want to, I mean, I'm, I want to be out there playing and you don't realize that eh, maybe I should go ahead and get it done so that this doesn't happen. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, I just think this is a reality we're going to be dealing with. And I think from a health perspective, it's, it's like, I saw a thing about, you know, how they're expecting a bunch of people to die from the flu this year. I mean, they can't stop scaring us with stuff, right? It's like, all right, we're, we're, we're turning the corner on the COVID. Oh, here's the flu. Um, I think in any of these cases, when, when people get sick with this, there ought to, there needs to be some kind of quarantine thing to keep it from spreading around. And, and you know maybe that's just something that's going to be part of sports from now on.
1: Now, and we're going to have uh, some interesting situations because uh, for the NFL, there are like four teams that have hit the 85% threshold. And there's two teams that haven't even hit 50%. And depending on what state you're in, like uh, in California... They're going back to masks indoors because of the explosion of the Delta variant. But in some of the Southeastern Bible Belt states, they passed laws that forbid you to mandate masks. So uh, depending on where you are, things could get kind of fun with, with who's the dumbass. We'll see lots of dumbasses. Oh, never, that never
2: fails. Uh, all I know is the whole thing's over to me. Uh, it, it, that's a, That's a you problem. If, uh you know, and, and I've said all along, you want to get vaccinated, great. Then go out and party, do the things I'm doing. You don't, that's fine. Don't bitch at me when you get sick and die. Just like I won't bitch at you when I turn into a zombie. So, or an alien. Well, I mean, I, I or the, you know, if they track me with the chip, which I don't know why anyone would need to track me with a chip. I can tell you where I am all the time. I'm here or I'm home or at one of two bars. <laughs> They that's can track you it. on your
1: cell phone, so it's not yeah, like they need yeah, to inject yeah. you with but it. But that's all right. If, they,
2: if that's what they did, cool.
1: But if they are going to inject me with it, can I at least get better 5G service?
2: Uh, wait a minute. Didn't 5G cause the whole pandemic in the first place?
1: Depends on who you <laughs> ask.
2: <laughs> anyway, but uh, baseball back, Astros back in action. And uh, one of the things I, I I heard you talking about last night on Late Hits is I was driving home from Stack Pickle, which, by the way, cool place out on 1960. Um what i uh, I heard you talking about potential trade tar- targets and that the Astros have said now that they 're not afraid to go over the salary the luxury tax line and you brought up a really good point that i 'd love for you to explain to the Blitzers again about how the if you 're over by two million there 's no difference between being over by two million and twenty million
1: right, so because the Astros technically were over. The uh, over the tax line last year, even though it was a bastardized 60 game season, they were technically over the tax line. If they go over the tax line this year, they're what we call 30% taxpayers, so second year. But in the second year, you also get penalized on the amount of money available to you, your international draft pool money, so your international signings, uh, which Yuli Guriel was an international signing, uh, the kid who currently is. Probably their number one prospect, uh, Leon. Uh, Pedro León, yeah. is was an international signing. Uh, he's the guy that was a center fielder his entire life in Cuba, and now they're trying to make him a shortstop. But Which doesn't aside from bode that... well
2: from, keep, from keeping <laughs> Carlos Correa, but okay.
1: The, uh, it, it takes away your international signing pool money. It also changes your draft pick compensation. So let's say at the end of the year, they can't come up with a, a deal... With Carlos Correa before free agency begins. So they offer him a qualifying offer. He rejects it. He becomes a free agent. Normally, if you make a QO to somebody, that person becomes, you know, a, a, comp, a comp, free agent that generates compensation. And you would get a sandwich pick after the second round as a compensation pick for losing that free agent. As a second time in a row offender on the tax line, that would become a fourth round pick and not a second round. So instead of after round two, it's after round four, in addition to a 30 percent tax on whatever money you go over. So outside of just the physical dollars, whether you go over the tax line by a million bucks or 20 million bucks, the, the penalties for the bonus pool, the penalties for the draft picks, they're there no matter what. So, uh, much as the Mets had stated about a month ago, uh, James Click had stated the same thing. If we're going to go over, we're going over. We're not going to, you know, stick our toe and maybe just a little tiny bit. No, no, we're going over. We're going to bulldoze the damn thing. Cause if we're going over, we're going in it to win. And it's not going to be, well, let's just try to get this one guy or maybe we get a second player. If it's just, you know, just a couple of million bucks. No, they're, they're ready to go. And. Click went with that one. Uh, He said that one a few days ago, and then yesterday with, hey, if we can get the right starting pitcher, we're down for that. And this makes all the sense of the world, because the one thing, as good as the Astros have been in the starting rotation, they've also put four starters on the IL, uh, including Erkini twice. You've got Louis Garcia, who's 24 innings away from hitting his career high already, and Christian Javier is close to hitting his career high. Everybody not names that Granky has an innings limit this year. Oh, and Granky's got a sore shoulder. So the Astros, there, while their starting rotation has been better than expected this year, they're gonna run into a lot of problems later in the year with innings limits and how far you can let guys go. They really need that front of the rotation ace. And If Max Scherzer is available, there has to be literally no impediment to going after Max Scherzer. You already, A, have to get the Nats to agree to deal him. Now, the Nats are in fourth place. They had started to creep back up near 500, and then they hit a slide before the break. If the Nats continue to slide, maybe they're willing to deal Max Scherzer, who's a free agent at the end of the year. He also has to agree to it because he's a 10-5 and guy. Just like Justin Verlander was a 10-5 and five guy where he has the right to veto any deal, so does Max Scherzer. And the latest rumblings, as Scherzer is represented by Scott Boris, is that if Scherzer is to become available, in order to get him to agree to a deal, you will have to give him an extension. He's Max Scherzer. Pay his ass. Yeah,
2: because who would you rather have next year, Max Scherzer or Zach Greinke?
1: Oh, Zach is not coming back
2: next yeah. year. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's his money, right? You just pay him his money.
1: I mean, and, and unless you're talking about Zach Granke coming back at a at a much lower rate than right. what he currently makes. Uh, look, we see Greinke, when he's on, he's phenomenal. When he's not on, he's out of there in four innings and he's given up five runs. And for a guy who you're going to pay $20-plus to, you can't have that many four-inning four games. So Granke at this point in his career is not a front-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, he is more of a mid-to-back-of-the-rotation guy. He can still give you that ace outing uh, on occasion, maybe a couple in a row, but he's also going to throw in some clunkers. We don't know what Justin Verlander is going to be next year yet. You expect, hey, he's Justin Verlander. His right arm has been blessed, my God, and he'll come back and he'll still be throwing 97 miles an hour. But we've seen guys first year back from Tommy John, they have some ups and downs. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possible, and to think Verlanda will have a couple of ups and downs next year. Max Scherzer's healthy. Max Scherzer's gunning guys down. And if you can get Max Scherzer, he changes the balance of power wherever he goes. So if he goes to you, the Astros were already the the favorites in the American League to go to the World Series. You become big favorites. If he goes somewhere else, well, maybe you're not the favorite anymore. Maybe maybe you're a, a few rungs down the line. Max Scherzer makes that big of an impact.
2: All right, we're going to take a uh, quick break. We come back. I want to keep the Astros talk going a little bit here. I want to, I, and One of the things we talked about, obviously, you could get a Max Scherzer. That would make a huge difference. Would the bullpen still need to be a priority is the question. We'll answer that when we return. It's the Blitz on ESPN 97.5-925.
0: You're listening to the Blitz. Lock and roll, boys. On ESPN 975. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN ninety seven five and on ESPN ninety two five live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fowler and AJ Hoffman, and we're back on the Blitz.
2: Patrick Creighton filling in today. Pete Creighton won on Twitter, so uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say this not just because he's my friend. I think Patrick has is the best baseball knowledge in the city. Of anybody who's on air, and uh, and I, I enjoy listening to late hits when I'm when I'm my show's over. Usually, I used to not well. I listen to soccer matters and I listen to late hits. Usually, when the show's over, I don't I don't want to listen to radio, man. I'm like, okay, I'm done, three hours. But I will listen, and and you take things, some minute details from the Astros and make them very interesting. So if you haven't had a chance to check them out, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a, a very good show. So I want to follow up though. What uh, Astro <laughs> Astroag? he's good because baseball matters, Fred. Uh, does it matter as much as soccer? I don't know. Uh, we got some TV ratings we'll get to later on and see. But um, you were talking about Scherzer. So if you make a deal for a Scherzer, let's say, which I mean, he's probably the one big name out there you could get, right?
1: He would be the biggest. He would be the guy who gets you the, the biggest impact.
2: So give me, give me a couple other possibilities because most, it seems like most of the teams that are out of it, I don't know if they have top-of-the-line aces.
1: Uh, the next best guy would probably be uh, Jose Barrios of the Twins. Uh, Barrios is a free agent at the end of the year. The Twinkies have absolutely fallen apart this year. Uh, I don't know that anybody thought the Twins were going to win the division, but I don't think anybody expected them to be dead last. Yeah, He's 27 years old. Uh, he's making $6 million this year. He's... Still arbitration eligible at the end of the year, so you still have him essentially as as team control before he's a free agent uh, in twenty three. But Barrios seven and three three forty eight ERA, uh, whip under one one, strikes out more than a batter inning. Is he's, he's a really good pitcher, and to have a three forty eight ERA on a team that is you know twenty games under five hundred. That guy can pitch, and he can pitch anywhere. He's twenty. Like I said he's twenty. He just turned twenty-seven years old. Uh, he may be a guy that's available because it looks like the Twins are Twins are going to sell out. Nelly Cruz is, is going to get traded. That's the Astros don't need Nelly Cruz, but there's a lot of teams who would like to have him. The Astros are uh, the Twins are going to be sellers. The Chicago Cubs are going to be sellers. They've already made a move. They dealt Jock Peterson to the Braves yesterday. Pretty much everyone on the Cubs is available. So that
2: leads me to my second question. The obviously the bullpen's been an issue. If a guy like Kimbrell's on the the block, and you're already going to go over, then why not? Do you make multiple moves like that? And if so, what do you have to offer? That's that's my big question. Is because, and and I heard you talking about this last night too. It's like everybody kind of dogs the farm system because all those guys are in the bigs now, and you know the guys who are your prospects have already moved up. So what do you have in your system that you can trade to get guys like that? Because well, there will be a competition for them, right?
1: You would expect that there'd be competition, especially for a guy. Look, for Scherzer, there's going to be a competition. For Barrios, there's going to be a competition for, for Craig Kimbrell, uh, for, uh, Richard Rodriguez, of the Pirates. These are guys who are, who are going to drive, you know, multiple teams to, to bid up. Realistically, if I'm the Astros, the only guy that I'm thinking I don't want to trade that's in my minor leagues is Pedro Leon. He might be the only guy that I'm thinking I don't want to deal because, you know, the Astros have told us, hey, if this guy was actually in the draft, he probably would have been a top four pick. So if you think of him that highly, you know, Forrest Whitley, man, I would have traded Forrest Whitley three years ago. Yeah, but right, Forrest
2: Whitley doesn't exist. I I, I mean, to me yeah you know, Force Whitley is like Bitcoin
1: you, know, you hear about it, but it's not really there so but there's nobody else that's in their minor league system, really other than Leon that you would say, all right, that guy we have we have big aspirations for that guy and realistically, if you look at a lot of the young guys that are currently on the Astros or that are on the injured list, these are guys who are still making major league minimums who haven't hit arbitration yet. They're kind of in the mix as well. So every team values prospects differently. You know, it's hard to say, oh, well, you know, this team uh, would be more interested in a, in a Hunter Brown, who's a, a pitcher at A. He's their number three prospect in their system. Somebody else might like Jeremy Pena, who's their number four prospect. He's a, a middle infielder. Uh, somebody else might like Freddie Nova, who's an infielder. Uh, somebody might want a, a guy like uh, a Christian Javier.
2: Yeah, that's that was my next question. Is if let's say you're you're talking about a Scherzer deal, and they want Javier back, you do that right? Absolutely, yeah, in
1: a heartbeat. He's Max Scherzer. Yeah. The Astros, you're talking about a team that is built to win now, and this might be the last year they have what's. You're already down Springer from your core. This might be the last year you have Carlos Correa. If you're not in it to win it now, well, when the hell are you? So the Astros should be all in this year. First of all, when, when you add in the fact that a Carlos Correa is outperforming every other member of the, quote, vaunted free agent shortstop class significantly, and then the fact that at the end of the year the CBA expires and the union is not going to allow the current tax, luxury tax setup to exist in its current format, what are you afraid of? Go right. for it. Go get that second ring because then, well, you have two rings and nobody can sit there and tell you, oh, you you ring, you were cheating, you rings fraudulent. I have two rings. Here, stick this up your pipeline. And you know, the Astros have finally embraced wearing the black hat. Well, it's about time. I, although,
2: apparently, the organization hasn't necessarily because I have friends who tell me they won't let them wear certain shirts into the, into the park that uh, uh, refer to the cheating scandal that... You know, I'm glad we cheated and stuff like that. They won't let you to the park with it.
1: Yeah, it's time for the organization as a whole to just embrace the black hat. Yes, uh, the fans have done it last year. The players struggled with it this year. They have much, much bigger percentage of the players have embraced wearing the black hat. Bleep everybody! I thought it was awesome that the Astros as a team just flipped the double rods at Major League Baseball and said, "Yeah, we're all stars. We're not going. Screw you guys." We we are not going to be there for you to parade us around so that we can get booed and cussed at. And, you know, we're, we're not here. We don't owe you that. Those idiot fans booed Orbit as yeah. if Orbit was somehow the mastermind.
2: Eh, do we know he wasn't? No. I, I mean, I, I brought something up the other day. He's a green mime. Do we trust mimes? I don't know. He's not going to rat you out. Oh, That's true. He might point at you, though. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think uh, it was... That was silly, but hey, man!
1: Now you had the general manager of the Detroit Tigers tell the Detroit Free Press that they had been cheating and they sucked. Hmm. If the Tigers are cheating, everybody's cheating. Joe Girardi told us how the Yankees did it on MLB TV.
2: Yeah, that, but nobody that kind cares. Of gets swept nobody under the rug a lot. Cares lock. about that though. It's funny because it gets back to a disagreement AJ and I had the other day where he was saying, Mike Trout, more well-known than Jose Altuve. And I, I said no because the cheating scandal. I mean, like I, people will recognize little Altuve being out and about. I don't know how many people would recognize Mike Trout, even though he's the best player in baseball, when, when healthy. Which
1: I would a, agree with you. Altuve is now more more well-known.
2: Yeah, certain, Maybe notorious. Nowhere, nowhere near the player now. Let me make that clear. That's not the argument. It's like, who's more well-known?
1: It would be Jose Altuve because of the Astros scandal and the fact that, despite the fact that every piece of research on it has shown he didn't really participate, he's the face of the cheating scandal.
2: Yeah, and, and my favorite thing is that they just made up the whole buzzer deal and people ran with that too. So, um, the uh, the other thing I, I kind of wanted to get to is as we talk about about trades here is, and Greg on Twitter. Who has a Morty picture, so he's already in my cool book. So I don't know if I'll buy into the, to the Max talk. It sounds like 2019 all over again. A lot of talk about him getting traded. Washington gets up to 500 around the All-Star break and then get hot. So this could be PTSD, though. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have my finger on the pulse of what's going on with Washington Nationals baseball. But they seem like they have enough talent where they could easily get on another little run here. And then you don't want to trade the guy.
1: It's possible. I mean, look, it it did. That's kind of what happened. I mean, they were up to a horrible, horrible start. And then they got hot and made a run to, to become World Series champions. They had gotten hot and they had gotten up to about 500. But then they hit another skid. They've lost four in a row. They've lost eight of 10 going into the break. And they're five under in fourth place in the NL East.
2: 5 is only good if you're in Beaumont.
1: They've hit pretty much. Uh, they've probably got two weeks before they're looking at life and going, all right, we're sellers. Hmm. Because if, if you haven't gotten within striking distance, well, there's two things. One, you have to get within striking distance of 500 before the break. Two, you have to make up grounds on the Mets. You're five under. The Mets are seven over. If the Mets start to get hot, then it doesn't matter what the Nationals do because they've already got a six game lead and they're, you know, they're seven back in the loss column. If the Mets get hot, there's probably nothing the Nationals can do that will catch them.
2: All right. We are going to take a very quick break. Don't go anywhere. It's a blitz on ESPN 97.5. 92.5.
0: ESPN 97.5. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz.
2: No A.J. today as he wanders off towards Vegas. Do we know if he's made it there yet, Aaron? Uh, the last picture I saw him post was, welcome to New Mexico. Oh. I don't know when he posted it. but <laughs> Yeah, he was just... Uh... The only thing I noticed, he responded to one of my tweets, telling me I couldn't get scissors on an airplane. And I was going to tweet back at him once again. You underestimate me. <laughs> nope, don't do that because you're supposed to go out for another boxing thing. Uh, oh, really? Later in the uh, well, I think somebody is. Oh, okay. Well, but if it's you, I'll you go. don't want to. Uh... No, I, I got in trouble for for a tweet about s- similar things one time, so I, I just stayed away from it. But. Uh, yeah, because I, I know that I would wind up on a list as soon as I did that. But, uh, yeah, I, that, I I don't know if you guys saw the picture, but some chick had her hair, like, hanging over the back of the, the seat on his tray. Oh, that's uh, gross. Yeah, which, uh, now, his tray wasn't down, so he was asking for advice, and I just said, scissors. <laughs> and, and you know, Hoffman said, uh, that's, that's the terrorist in you, basically. You can't take scissors on an airplane. And I was just going to respond, as usual, you underestimate me. And now and I'm like, nope, 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 no. Nope. I'm just not, not even, watched, I'm not doing watched. it. I'm leaving
1: it there. I don't want any problems. I'm going to pop this right out of my shoe. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Now, you know what? I had never been to Vegas until I went out to cover the Stanley Cup finals between the Golden Knights and the Caps. That was the first time I'd been to Vegas. Wow. And I had a lot of fun. Uh, there was a, a wedding party from from England, who was there. They had the whole family there to get married. They invited me to the wedding. Like, it was crazy. They were, they were These people were smashed out of their minds. But they literally – they were inviting me to the wedding to go and have fun. Unfortunately, I had to fly out, but probably would have had a good time. Then we went out for the Pacquiao-Broner fight uh, outside of the fact that uh, Alex and I had a little trouble with our flight. The – being in Vegas, that was fun. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go back to Vegas now. I've got a little bit of that, that Vegas bug of okay, yeah. you know what, we go, we have fun. I'm ready to go to Vegas.
2: It, it, it's funny though. I, I, and sometime in the next month and a half, if if things go the way I hope, I, I I'm going to go for a weekend and just go because I've never, I can't tell you the last time I went to Vegas where it was there wasn't work involved. Whether I'm either doing the show or I'm going to play a poker tournament. Which when when you're there for four days playing a poker tournament that's work that's work yeah you're not you're not out having fun and, and drinking all night after you play thirteen hours yeah it's uh in fact basically it's it's a pretty and not not that it's not fun man I enjoy the hell out of it or I wouldn't do it but you basically you get an hour dinner break but you start at like ten in the morning you go until like uh, uh and then you get fifteen minute breaks every two hours and then you go until three in the morning
1: see that's the thing that makes me respect poker players the most because Every common player is like, oh, man, I, I could I could play poker and, and win a million dollars. No, you can't because the discipline and the focus that it takes to sit there for six hours and then you get an hour dinner break and then you're back for six hours. I can't pay attention for more than like an hour. Well, After
2: that, I'm out. And, I'm just done. And and that's the thing. When you see it on TV, with the exception of the, the final table of the main event where they show you everything, Everything's condensed, right? So you see the big hands. You don't realize uh, there there was a stretch I went three hours without playing a hand, and that's that's the case with these tournaments. You have to you have to pick your spots and, and you are patient and, uh, until you get later on where you have to start making moves. But it's uh it, it and and my routine was pretty simple. I'd go I'd get up in the morning, go for a run, and then for some odd reason, the first day I decided to put a hundred bucks into a one of those automatic roulette machines and just play for an hour, and then go over to the to the casino, because I was staying at Bally's at the time. Well, it's still at Rio this year. I got some news on that, by the way. Uh, but I'd Uber over and get to my table about a minute before cards are in the air, and then boom, go. And then play all day, go home, get some vodka out of the little store downstairs, have a few drinks before bed, and then just crash out and do the whole thing the next couple of days. And that's that's it. There's no... You know, there's no uh, hookers and blow. There's no uh, uh, oh, I'm going to go do this or I'm gonna... now. Now, if you get knocked out, like when I when I did get knocked out finally on Saturday, I just went to the race book all day and took most of my winnings and I pretty much bet all of my winnings and I got down a couple hundred and then I won it all back times two. So it was it was a good trip, but that was the only time I really had fun. Is sad. See that that's that's my idea of fun: sit at a poker table for 13 hours or sit in a race book for four hours and just gamble a bunch of money.
1: That that discipline to to not play a hand for three hours, yeah, I couldn't do that. I'd be bored to tears. Well, but but what I what
2: I was doing the whole time, and, and it, it gets difficult the later you get in the tournament because you move move tables around a lot. But I study what players were doing, and I'd study every single player between every hand, uh, watch every hand they're in, uh, watch what goes to the showdown, so you can see what they were playing and how they were playing it, and you just file that stuff away. And that's how I was able to get two or three really big pots was I picked on a player at some point because I picked up you know you pick up on their patterns and what they're doing and what they're thinking, and you wait for a hand and then you go after them and that's that's what that's what you're doing so it sounds like okay yeah, I'm folding for three hours so I'm not really doing anything but no i'm I'm actually you found a mark well there's there's always one there's always one at the table and it, it, even in a, in a big tournament where there's a lot of players and a lot of really good players there's always two or three guys who are just ridiculously aggressive, who are in every hand, and all you got to do is wait until you catch something on them. And that's, you know, that's what you do for those three hours. Now, that didn't happen. On, it happened one time that I went three hours without playing a hand. But there were stretches where I'd go an hour and a half. Anyway, some uh, news for my poker friends. And I don't know if this is good news for me, because I love staying at Bally's when I go out there to play in, in WSOP, because you're not in the middle of all the crap at the Rio. And, and I'll be honest. Other than the Penn and Teller Theater, the Rio is a—it's a garbage dump. It really is. There's—I mean—the restaurants suck there. Boy, my dinner break—you know what my dinner break was? Run over to the store, grab a couple energy bars and some Gatorade. That was dinner break. But it, I mean, it's a really crappy place. But I love staying at Bally's, and Bally's is one of the few places that still has an old-fashioned race book. They've got a race book separate from their their sports book. Well, according to. Uh, and it, it's funny how this story got out. The Valley National 8-Ball League Association, which uh, does a big pool tournament every year at Bally's, uh, had their their reservations canceled because the 2022 World Series of Poker is moving to Bally's in Paris. So it's going to be on the strip. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking now I'm probably not going to be able to get a room at Bally's because... The whole poker world is going to be staying there, which kind of sucks.
1: So what's your backup? What's your backup place? you are not going to stay at what's your backup? Uh, i Probably,
2: probably stay at MGM. You because know, I, I mean, I like I like the M Life properties too, but uh, it, it does it does kind of screw with my, my little routine. I, I, I'm not superstitious or anything, but I do have specific routines whenever I do this, and, and it just it it keeps me from drifting off into hookers and blow, basically.
1: Look, you're you're a poker player and you're a hockey fan. If you didn't have superstitions, you would definitely be an alien.
2: Uh, well, maybe an alien, but uh, but yeah, the, it's going to be in 2022. It's going to start in late May. Uh, that so I, I mean, and I'm hoping next year I'm going to be able to get out there at the beginning and play a bunch of tournaments. But
1: Fred's going to play Charlie Palillo and just be off the month of May. <laughs> uh, remarkable. No, I, 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 I
2: don't think I'm going to do that, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how the rooms are because like, I, I don't, you know, I've never stayed at Paris. I, I, I like walking, there's some good restaurants there and that's another reason why I like being at Bally's but uh, I'm pretty sure Bally's will be full. It's a better hotel than Rio because most, most of the good players don't like staying at the Rio because it's just, I, I mean, I, it, it's a Vegas casino so it's it's not horrible but as Vegas casinos go, it's a trash heap if that's fair.
1: I once stayed at the Tropicana in Atlantic City, and if you want to talk about dumps, that place is <laughs> condemned.
2: Yeah, well, but- you know what? Atlantic City is like Reno by the water, is what Atlantic City is like. Reno's the same way. It's, it's but you know what? I love it. Reno's just scuzzy, but the casinos—you're there to gamble. You're not there to see magicians and tigers and uh, and fill in the blank. And and I mean, I, I played a poker tournament there one year with this, with this friend of mine. We actually it was it was like the ultimate degenerate weekend. It was a two-day poker tournament and a one-day horse tournament that we did in Reno. And this would have been, it's still probably 2004, somewhere in there. And when we were, it was my first trip to Reno. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, people are still smoking in the poker rooms. And it's just <laughs> these old, grizzled people with a cigarette in one hand and, a, and an oxygen mask in the other. <laughs> and they're going back and forth. And they're all, they're all playing in this poker tournament. And uh, my friend who, uh, we wound up, I, I, I don't know what you call these establishments here, but uh, it's, a, it's a place where women take off their clothes and you give them money and, and they dance to music. I don't know what you call that. Um,
1: I think in New York they call it a peep show.
2: <laughs> that, that's very 1960s of you. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my friend who uh, uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, so I'll go ahead and tell the story. Uh he finished yeah, I think he won the tournament. I finished like seventh and made a few grand and um he knocked me out too, I had kings against uh his aces but uh he we go to the we go to this establishment and he starts talking to this girl and he bets me a thousand dollars that uh he can take this girl home with him and I'm thinking well, okay, she's probably gonna charge him five hundred, so he's gonna keep 500 let it. <laughs> yeah and but you know and so he's but he's doing this rap with her and everything and i'm starting to realize you know what she's not a pay-per-view she's just a dancer. this ain't happening and i mean he he was such a fun guy but he was he was short and loud and but, i don't know anybody like. but that. he had so much game and uh and so i said all right you know what i'm taking the bed and i went upstairs went to bed next morning i get a call fred yeah come get breakfast I don't want breakfast, man. No, I need you to come get breakfast. Go downstairs, meet him for breakfast. Here's him sitting in the middle of this uh of the of the booth there. He's got the one girl on one arm, he's got some friend of hers on the other, and he's just smiling at me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Alright, fine. Threw him a thousand bucks and left.
1: <laughs> he then gave it to them, and that was that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he I'm sure he did. I'm sure that he made a deal with him. Uh, but no, I, I believe him. Actually, he he was uh, as honest as, as anyone when it came came to betting with each other. Like there was no cheating. Now we would cheat other people. He's also the guy that the only time I've ever cooked the deck. We did it against a couple hustlers at the Kentucky Derby. He, he, he was about that, but you never cheat a friend. All right, we are going to get a quick break in. Don't go anywhere. It's a blitz on ESPN ninety seven five nine two five.
0: Get her over to my crib and do that night thing Cause I'm in love with this girl She climbing, she rolling, she rolling She climbing that ball I'm in love with this girl. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5 You're listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back
2: on The Blitz. No A.J. today, Patrick Creighton. Hope you guys are enjoying it. I sure am. So uh, I, I don't know if you uh, you saw this, but I'd be curious to get your opinion on it. Uh, Jerry Rice is, I I mean, I think we can all look at Jerry Rice as the greatest wide receiver that ever played in in terms of numbers, in terms of accomplishments. Um, that's one of the few positions it's hard to argue with, right? Or do you have an argument?
1: No, I don't think there's an argument. Jerry Rice is is the
2: best. I'm trying to set something up so we can argue a little bit. You know, I mean, I want to, I actually, I have something. We'll do it next hour. We're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, the national media and your Astros. How's that? I will have fun
1: just a little bit
2: but uh Jerry Rice said he would double his stats because the NFL is not what he, it's not as difficult as it used to be Now first off that's a little bit of a it's a little hyperbole there because there's no way in hell you're doubling those stats but I don't think it's ridiculous to say that the way the NFL's set up now with more passing that he would have gotten more opportunities. I think he could have done even bigger numbers in this era.
1: I don't want to have animosity for Jerry Rice, but every time these old school guys like, man, these guys today, they're so soft. I would destroy all of them. Dude, you're just, you're get off my long guy. That's all you are. Now you're get off my long guy. You know, let's not forget that, uh, you know, cornerbacks in Jerry Rice's day, if you were fast, Probably ran up four nine. Yeah. Today they run sub four fours. You know, cornerbacks today are way faster. They're bigger. There's no more. Oh, uh, you know, I'm Jerry Rice and I'm going to get matched up against this five seven corner. Those days are over. Corners are like six foot now or or taller. So while there's is there oh, there's less hitting. Yeah, you're not going to get creamed coming across the middle anymore. But. Like they, You're they, running he, with a guy who can run just as fast as you. But he
2: was also a guy who never really got creamed over the middle because he was so elusive that guys never got big hits on him, like the way the way that. Uh, and there were a lot of big hits in that era. Like Ask Ernest Givens when he got spun around. But the the one thing I would say is he did come into an era though when the passing started.
1: Well, he played when the, things opened up the original West Coast offense. So you ran slants all over the place, quick slants and. You had the ball in your hand before the defense knew where you were going, and you know that's that's the whole premise of the West Coast offense. We're going to get you quick, and we're going to get the ball to our playmakers while they're in stride, so that they're basically they're getting yak every time they catch the ball. And when you are as great a player as Jerry Rice, you're going to make a couple of guys miss and then buy. But this idea of oh, you know, he'd be you know catching two thousand yards every year. Come on. That's, that goes back to the, all right. Well, if, if Babe Ruth was alive today, he'd hit 150 home runs in a season. No, he wouldn't. He'd be a great player. He'd be one of the all time great players in any era, but he's not going to hit 150 homers. Jerry Rice isn't going to catch 200, 2000 yards. He'd be a great player. He'd be really hard to stop. He'd, you know, cause Jerry Rice didn't drop balls. He won contested battles. He found, you know, if you tried to play zone, he found the niche in the zone. Very heady player as well as physically talented. But, you know, oh, I would, you know, this is, you know, like Scotty Pippen with his, oh, I would, I would totally dominate today. I'd be great. Dude, you were scared of Anthony Mason's shadow. Tell me how you would dominate. Goodbye.
2: I'll, I'll give you a, I'm going to give you a little trivia question here. Who was Jerry Rice's quarterback in college? At Mississippi Valley State for a thousand points.
1: Yeah, I think I was like three. Okay,
2: fine. <laughs> His name, the only the only reason I remember it is he had a great nickname. It was Willie Satellite Totten was the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I would not have known that. Like yeah. I was like three.
2: Well, and, and I, I, that's where I first heard him because obviously I was, I was working I was working at the Chronicle at the time, and so we were having to put in box scores and stuff, and I would always see you know Jerry Rice like twelve for two ninety four and. Willie satellite Totten 400 yards passing and stuff like I that. I guess he was
1: just throwing big, giant <laughs> yeah, bombs yeah. down the field, satellite.
2: Yeah. Um, so it's Randy Moss and then everyone else. Uh, with all due respect, Randy Moss might have been the most talented receiver ever. He wasn't the best. And
1: he yeah. was really good at running one route, Yeah, which was run nine, and I'm taller and I can out jump everybody else. Just throw it up. He also quit on. Three teams?
2: Yeah. But as what he said. Jerry Rice retired at forty two. There's no way DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs play until they're forty two. So But I think uh with
1: the money they're gonna make, they don't need to play until they're forty two.
2: Yeah, but I I mean I I'm I'm sorry, there's there's no argument to be made for another receiver. Because at some point what your accomplishments are count. That's why I won't hear any arguments against Wayne Gretzky. I mean the numbers you put up, the things you did, you were the greatest. I I, I love Gordy Howe, my favorite player of all time. Can't really, you can't do it. He also played to he was seventy.
1: Gordy Howe hat trick. Yeah, but I mean, like people say, Randy Moss. I still think T.O. was a better receiver than Randy Moss. They they both had their off the field issues, but yeah, you know, Tio nearly single handedly won a Super Bowl with a fractured leg.
2: And and interestingly enough, uh, T.O. and, and Moss. Almost very similar career numbers. Uh, both with, well, I mean, Owens more more receiving yards, more catches. Moss with three more touchdowns, but they both put up very similar numbers. Uh, so I, I mean, to me, there's an argument there. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, again, over what he did in his career, put up ridiculous numbers. Assuming he's done, and but none of them, none of them are in the same stratosphere as Jerry Rice. So, but you you know, but, I mean, you could argue. I think Calvin Johnson, more talent.:
1: Yeah, Meg- Megatron was, I mean, think about some of the, the guys he caught passes from.
2: Yeah, and then the thing about it is is you just you just can't make an argument against Jerry Rice. Um, Ed said, "Sorry, Patrick, I thought you were older." <laughs> oh, yeah, Patrick's not that old. Can
1: I, can I uh, you know figuratively bird him for thinking that I was older?
2: Right, hey, You can do the real thing if you want, you can see it on Twitch.
1: That's, so, just, that's just cold. Yeah, well, I'm not 50 yet. It's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I still got all my teeth so yeah. far, which is pretty good for playing hockey as long as I did. Well,
2: yeah, I would, I would assume that at some point you'd have fake teeth put in there.
1: And no veneers. They're all real.
2: I, you know what? That's, that's another thing I don't, I don't need to see. I don't need to see people's teeth. so <laughs> I don't need to know about them. Feet and teeth, keep them to yourself. Just not not my thing. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN's the number. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. So uh, next segment, I'm going to talk about uh, your former Texans quarterback a little bit. He's back in the news, believe it or not, not because of anything he did, thankfully, because we don't need twenty three. I mean, technically, he's still the Texans quarterback. He he's he, listed he, on the roster. Yeah, yeah I don't know. As far as the NFL's concerned. Well, I don't know, because uh, according to David Cully, he doesn't really exist. But then again, we know what David Cully is. Well, then he's been fed off of the coast to Galveston, and just it's a body double that's doing all these workout videos on Instagram. <laughs> but um, we'll talk about that when we come back. And no, there's no more lawsuits. It's actually a, a football-related thing. And uh, also, I don't know if you guys heard it this morning. Uh, Lance had Chad Ford on talk about the uh, NBA draft. And I was listening. He said some really cool stuff. So at some point we're gonna we're gonna bring that back. But uh, so shout out to Lance Sterling for that, and uh, we're gonna play some of that. That'll happen in the next hour. And we'll have a gem of the day. No snakes today. It's a blitz on ESPN ninety seven five ninety two five.
0: 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Wheel, fun, sports.